This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Sekan Toto from Kantan Games on the Pokemon Go phenomenon. We begin our conversation on why Pokemon Go has redefined the gaming space with hyper-local and augmented reality and its sudden impact across the world. We also discuss its impact on Nintendo and how the gaming giant will move ahead with their mobile gaming efforts. Hi, Sakan. Hello, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm okay. And how are you doing? I think you have been very busy lately. Yes, I've been very busy. So I've called from journalists, uh, from you know clients, and uh, from all sorts of people about Pokemon Go and uh, the impact on uh, the Pokemon company, Nintendo, with everybody involved, and uh, the impact on the global mobile gaming space from a global perspective that this uh, that this game has, and uh, things like that. So, so I've been busy, but I'm not complaining. I agree, and thank you very much for agreeing to my urgent request for this interview because of Pokemon Go. So. Who am I talking to? Sakan Toto, CEO of Kantan Games in Japan. And Sakan, just before we get into the major topic of the day, what have you been up to? Yes, you know, it's been a, a kind of eventful month so far. It's not only because of uh, Pokemon Go and the phenomenon that, you know, this game has triggered, but also because of the Line IPO that basically both big news in the Japanese startup and mobile and gaming scene, you know, this year so far have fallen into the same month. So this has uh, really kept me busy for the last uh, couple of weeks. You have made those predictions that actually now come true. So I'm going to start off very quickly on the first thing, which is Pokemon Go phenomenon and its impact to Nintendo. So as a start, maybe can you briefly describe who is the maker behind Pokemon Go, which is Niantic Labs, a startup founded within Google and now spin off independently? Yes, that's correct. So Niantic Lab is a company that's based out of San Francisco. It was founded in 2010. Now it's called Niantic, but it used to be called uh, Niantic Labs when it was uh, part of Google. And what Google did is they basically gave a person called John Hankey, who uh, sold his uh, startup to uh, Google a few years ago. And, you know, Google turned his startup's main product into Google Earth later. So they basically told them, you know, look, you basically have this internal startup that you can run within Google. And that startup's first product was an augmented reality GPS based mobile game called Ingress. And, you know, they, they were operating the game. It, it, it's, it's still doing okay. It's like a cult hit. You know, it has a relatively small user base, but the user base is enthusiastic. It's a rabid user base that really loves that game. Uh, but in the, in the uh, then, you know, later when Google transformed itself into Alphabet, they basically uh, got rid of that uh, spin-off company. Having said that, a few months ago, when Nintendo and the Pokemon company invested Niantic, you know, in the, over the course of, uh, you know, the, the development of uh, Pokemon Go, Google was also an investor. So it's it's interesting setup. It's like a, a pretty, you know, chaotic background for a company. Uh, but again, Google first let John Hankey spin off that company inside Google. Then Alphabet came. Then they kind of got rid of the of the company. But then again, later when Nintendo and Pokemon, the Pokemon company invested, Google, Google joined these two companies and invested in the company that they just got rid of a few months earlier. It's a, a little bit chaotic. It's very interesting because I'm also a player on the game Ingress. And Ingress yeah. is actually done in such a way where there are two factions. There's the Resistance and yeah. the Empire. So I've been playing the Resistance group and you actually go to different locations and you try to gain control of locations. And that also mm-hmm. powers up your level. My question for you is that I don't know whether you have played Ingress before, but how does this game actually translate the learnings into Pokemon Go then? 
Yeah, so I mean, you know, if I was cynical, I, I would say, that, you know, Pokemon Go is basically ingress just with a Pokemon, uh, with a, a Pokemon skin. Just like there's a whole, I, I can talk five hours about the similarities. I'm not a hardcore user of ingress, but I played the game long enough. Also because, interestingly enough, for ingress, the, by far the j biggest market is Japan of all places. So Japanese hardcore players, uh, they love this, uh, they, or hardcore mobile gamers, um, you know, if that term actually exists, uh, they love this game. Just to give you one example out of many that I could give for the similarities, just like a Pokemon Go, Ingress is using, you know, uh, Google Maps as its backbone for the GPS part. Uh, so it, uh, just like that game, it requires you to actually physically move to certain locations in the real world. And just like Pokemon Go, Niantic, also through its user base, marks uh, certain landmarks uh, in the real world in certain cities, uh, in certain cities as uh, so-called centrals. You go to these uh, places and then you can actually play games together with other people. And then the actual gameplay uh, gets triggered by you being close to the landmarks, which I call centrals here. They basically uh, have this, that same concept over uh, on uh, Pokemon Go as well. This is the reason why you see all of these pictures at the moment from Pokemon Go players amassing, uh, you know, around certain landmarks in the real world. And they actually use the data, what they learn from Ingress and put it into Pokemon Go, right? Yes, of course. And I think that the similarities are striking. I think it's a little bit too much when, the, when you say it's essentially the same game just with a Pokemon skin. I think this is a little bit of a stretch, but the, the similarities are there for sure, especially concept-wise, you know, the mixing of GPS and AR and things like that. But in the case of Pokemon, I think that the, the key critical factor for the, the success of the Pokemon Go franchise, and one of the reasons that explains the effect on Nintendo is the Pokemon IP. What I mean is this game would have never worked in the way that it works right now with a generic a self-developed IP from Niantic, for example. You know, if Niantic came up with their own creature design or something like that, it's all about the Pokemon IP, actually. The other thing that needs a lot of clarification, and I've actually been reading different sites that talks about Pokemon Go, the owners of Pokemon Go is Google, Niantic Labs, Nintendo, and Pokemon itself, right? That's, that's correct. There's a lot of players in, in this game, actually. So the, the Pokemon Empire is owned by three companies, Nintendo and two other Japanese companies. So one is called Game Freak Incorporated. The other one is called Creatures Incorporated. Nintendo owns around 10% in Creatures Incorporated. Nintendo owns the trademarks for all Pokemon characters. There are over 700 now inside Pokemon Go at the moment. They're just around 150. But the actual you know, roster of characters is over 700. And then uh, Niantic is the developer and the publisher of Pokemon Go. So this is not a Nintendo game. This is not a Pokemon company game. This is uh, the brainchild, and it's also operated by uh, Niantic Labs. And Niantic Labs, as we just described, is being uh, also invested by different companies. So we talk about Pokemon Go in our last podcast, and we are early to this when it's still in the trials. Upon its launch, why has it been so successful? Yeah, I think that, you know, I was actually of the opinion that, you know, it, it might trigger a few R's and O's over uh, here and there, you know, that people talk about the game because it's a high profile IP. It's like a very experimental and I called it esoteric approach to mobile gaming, but I would have never like predicted anything like this. I personally think that, you know, one of the, as I mentioned, the Pokemon Go, uh, the Pokemon IP is, of course, one of the factors. The other factor is that I personally believe that the vast majority of especially the non-tech savvy people that are playing this game now. And, you know, there are millions of that now all, all over the Western world, at least because the game is not out in Asia yet, that are surprised 
that something like this augmented reality you know, feature of that game is actually possible with the very devices that they've been running around in their pockets uh, with uh, for the last couple of years. I don't think it's so much about the G. Of course, the GPS has, has some factor. You know, it's kind of cool that, you know, these landmarks are designated places for people to meet and, you know, talk about Pokemon, et cetera, et cetera. But I think really the, the spectacular factor is, is not only the, the Pokemon IP, but also the fact that augmented reality on a very simple level works inside this game. And also people who are in their 20s and 30s are actually Pokemon fans, right? They grew up with the Pokemon cartoon, which is very popular in the US and Europe as well. Yes, that's correct. Of course, you know, the, the power of Pokemon, you know, it's a little bit like Star Wars, right? I mean, you know, I talk with a lot of investors in the financial industry about this and they were telling me, you know, look, Pokemon, is this not, isn't this a thing from the 1990s? You know, people, now, the young kids nowadays, they don't even know what Pokemon is. You know, they, they know what Angry Birds is and they won't know what Minecraft is, but Pokemon is such an old franchise. And I also always told them, you know, look, this is the same thing that, you know, people said about uh, Star Wars when Disney bought them. Right, and Star Wars is even older. So never underestimate the power of such old uh, established IP. And it just like, like you described, it's not only a game. It's like a more, it has become more of a phenomenon that, you know, and to, apart from the uh, anime that you mentioned and the movies that you mentioned, you know, Pokemon was also a big trading card game empire, right? So these, I think they sold billions over the years, over the last two decades, billions of these printed Pokemon trading cards. So from that side, I think that, that the game, uh, works also via a nostalgia factor, but it's not enough. I think that the game is also just fun, right? I mean, very, very simply put, it's a well-made game. It's a well-made game in terms of uh, the entertainment factor, right? It just it, it apparently struck a nerve with people. The innovative mix and high-profile IP apparently you know, were enough to make the game go viral across uh, different geographies. Okay, I have to make a confession. I haven't played Pokemon Go, but on the first day when it's launched in the US, because when I was, I was in California, some of my classmates in Singularity University actually turned on the game and they have been like going everywhere and picking up Pokemon. So I want to first ask you, how does the game Pokemon Go work? Yes, the core of the game is basically that by sitting at home or by sitting at the bus station, for example, or by lying in your bed uh, playing the game, this will not work in the in the, in the case of uh, Pokemon Go. These are like uh, some of the typical situations where you switch on a mobile game. You know, when you when you have to kill time and when you have short bursts, when you want to enjoy short bursts of entertainment. This is not possible po with the uh, Pokemon Go. So the game actually requires you to go out to the real world to catch Pokemon that are out and about. Um, you know, wherever you are in the city or in the, in the countryside in uh, certain geographies at the moment. So, for example, here in Japan, the game still doesn't work. Because when you download the application from the U.S. App Store, for example, Niantic isn't populating the map that we have here in Tokyo, for example, where I'm talking for, from right now, with the Pokemon characters. Uh, so you have to be in a country where the servers are actually on and hopefully working for that game. But what this game does is that it basically populates, again, the real world based on your, on your phone's GPS with uh, Pokemon monsters. So when you get a notification that a Pokemon is near, you have to switch on your camera and then you have to scan the environment around you. And this explains, you know, all the pictures where you see people, you know, holding up the cameras uh, to, to catch Pokemon. So they're actually using the cameras to identify and locate Pokemon. Once you have a, a Pokemon centered on your, on your phone camera, you battle with that Pokemon. And you battle with that Pokemon by throwing uh, virtual balls, so-called Pokeballs, at this Pokemon, you know, by flicking with your finger you, you throw them at the creature. It depends on the skill which you uh, perform this kind of action. There's also a luck-based element there. You, you catch the Pokemon or you, or you don't. And the essence of the game is basically the collection element. So you want to uh, catch as many uh, Pokemon as possible 
and people are going wild when certain rare some Pokemon are harder to find than others. When certain rare Pokemons appear in, in the real world, you can look for many, many videos where you see in the US, for example, where you see hundreds of people going to a specific location where one user has found a rare Pokemon because they don't want to be too late because Niantic can, or the algorithm, quote unquote, can remove these rare Pokemon anytime they want. And which are the rare Pokemons, if I may ask, the Pikachu or, you know, some of these um, interesting yes. ones? Because I'm based in Japan and, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the servers haven't been switched on for, uh, for the Japanese market yet. I cannot really identify the rare ones, but there, there are several ones where, where people have gone wild in the United States and, you know, tried to catch uh, Pokemon in New York, for example, by the hundreds. There are some bizarre videos and pictures on YouTube and on uh, different social media, uh, you know, depicting that kind of almost incredible phenomenon that you can see at the moment. Well, this is probably interesting because when you're driving on the highway now, it's Stone Pokemon when you drive and people going yes. into restaurants and try to do Pokemon. Restaurant owners are so sick that they throw people out. And of course, one of the interesting questions I do have is, in your opinion, why Pokemon Go has not opened in Asia first, but in US and then Europe and Australia as well? Because I know my brother-in-law has already started playing in Australia. Mm -hmm about that question everybody's at a loss right so because uh, here in japan for example are feeling a little bit insulted you know because they are basically saying you no know, pokemon is a japanese franchise nintendo and the pokemon company are japanese companies given okay fine you know niantic labs is, is an, an american startup but it's uh, pokemon is like a japanese phenomenon why are these guys not switching on you know the servers in the homeland of uh, pokemon you know where, po where the pokemon phenomenon has found its start in the 1990s i think that in the case of japan the answer is uh, quite easy, and uh, as it turns out, in the last uh, 24, uh, 36 hours, I think that one of the major reasons is the planned uh, cooperation with uh, McDonald's Japan that uh, Niantic has apparently signed with that company. Uh, so McDonald's has around 3,000 locations here in Japan where they're selling their food. And these in, inside Pokemon Go, the landmarks that, that I just mentioned, you know, where people can find specific Pokemon, uh, apparently the plan is for McDonald's Japan to highlight their 3,000 stores in Japan in the real world, also inside Pokemon Go as uh, so-called gyms, where people can, can go and gather and uh, play Pokemon Go with each other. I believe that in the case of Japan, this specific deal with uh, McDonald's has delayed the launch. I just wanted to ask, if Japan is open, what do you think the percentile penetration for Pokemon Go in Japan will go? You mean in terms of users? You know, 100% is really, really uh, difficult to get. I mean, even in, in uh, mobile game crazy, even in Pokemon, even in the country of Pokemon, even in mobile game crazy Japan, even in the home country of uh, Pokemon. So Line, for example, uh, you know, has, uh, I think uh, they have uh, 60 or 70 million monthly active users and a population of one, 125 million people. I think it's 100% uh, is a stretch, but I believe that the game will be the number one downloaded game uh, for a long, long time. That's no question. But I also believe uh, that um, this is much more critical, uh, also not only for Japan, but also uh, you know for mobile games in, 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 in general. And this is the amazing, actual amazing point about this game is that in my, in my eyes, it's also going to be the number one grossing game in Japan on both iOS and Android, just like uh, Pokemon Go ha is the number one grossing game in essentially all the uh, key markets in the world that it has been released uh, up until this point. So it's about 50 to 60% if, if, if Pokemon Go were to open in Japan, that's your estimate basically. Uh, yes, I'm not really sure if it ever will, you know, you know, on a pure user number basis, if it ever will penetrate the population as Line did with their app. I'm actually, I'm doubting that a little bit, but uh, they, they will get, uh, uh, as another reference, you know, uh, Puzzle and Dragons, the, the king of mobile games in terms of user numbers that we have in, in Japan, they have 42 million roughly downloads in, in Japan alone.
So it's about around uh, around a third of the of the user base of Japan. I am not quite sure if uh, Pokemon Go will ever go to that level uh, because I think it's a little bit too early to tell. It might be that uh, people might be losing interest in running around at uh, 2 a.m. You know, in, in Central Park in New York, for example. You know, there are videos documenting uh, such cases. I'm exaggerating just a little bit, but you know, there are do- uh, videos document- documenting similar cases at least in the United States. I'm not quite sure if, if we're going to see scenes like that uh, in uh, four, five, six months in winter, for example. If that's really the case, if that craziness really, um, you know, really, you know, carries on uh, through the next uh, few months, this uh, numbers are uh, uh, like this are not are not impossible to get. And I guess even in Southeast Asia, people could lose their jobs because Pokemon Go is not available in Singapore. So. Yes, it's already happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about business models because Pokemon Go is the intersection between hyperlocal, augmented reality, and even something that we have not really imagined about. But I wanted to put it in a few aspects. So I'm going to start with how does Pokemon Go change the landscape of hyperlocal business models? I mean, they achieve what Foursquare cannot achieve with sponsored locations models. It's almost like Google AdSense yes, for locations. Cool. So what was your thoughts on that? That's correct. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the Foursquare example that you give is really, really good. Uh, you know, Foursquare has been scrambling for, you know, they have they have smart people, smart investors. You know, they have a certain, you know, brand recognition, at least in the tech circle in the US, but they couldn't get it done for, for the last couple of years. And, you know, Foursquare has been trying for years and years uh, to get into that kind of business. The silly Pokemon game comes out of nowhere and does what other startups and high-profile startups couldn't, uh, weren't able to do for years and years. There's a lot of discussions about what you what you said about, you know, hyper-local business models like o2o business pokemon go can drive you know here in, here in japan you know some some people are already thinking about uh, vitalizing countryside tourist spots through pokemon go you know they think about you know populating you know certain not so popular or you know out of the box kind of areas uh, for tourists that that might be interested in uh, hunting uh, pokemon then try to lure them to these areas uh, through the power of pokemon go i think this will all depend on the retention of the game this is the absolute absolute critical uh, key point I think when when we talk about this game at this point in time the game uh, you know has already proven that it that it's a mass phenomenon more importantly the game has proven that it makes money now it's all about the retention and only if you can retain the game if you can retain a certain user base over time only then you can uh, speak about hyperlocal business models for this game. I think it's a little bit too early, but if the game actually succeeds retaining a critical, a high enough user base over time, then I think uh, Pokemon Go can do something. There are, you know, there are already cases in the US where some stores have said, you know, look, because of Pokemon Go, we were able to boost our sales by 100%. GameStop, a game retail chain in the United States, has some stores like that. Yelp in the United States has, you know, in the, they go went and changed their user interface. They added nearby pocket stops. When you look for for certain restaurants, I saw a screenshot yesterday. I hope it was not Photoshop, but I think it was actually real. Um, and even if not, I mean, it, it shows already, uh, you know, that uh, that I take it seriously enough. My point is that there are already certain activities in, in, in terms of uh, uh, hyper-local business models around Pokemon Go, but I think it's a little bit too early uh, to discuss this in detail. The second aspect which I want to talk about is the bringing augmented reality mainstream. So my question on this is that, is Pokemon Go the decider on whether virtual reality VR or augmented reality AR to go mainstream? And what does it mean for other game makers out there then? Uh, yes, so I, that other game makers will copy Pokemon Go hundreds and hundreds and uh, times over and over over the next couple of months and years. I have no doubt about that. The phenomenon that it triggered is, is way too much, is way too powerful. 
I think that uh, for augmented reality, as I mentioned earlier, I think that it's the first time for many, many, for millions and millions of people uh, that they actually got in touch with augmented reality. I truly doubt that the vast majority of non-tech-savvy people even know what augmented reality was until Pokemon Go came about. Again, Pokemon Go is, of course, a very, very limited, very low-end kind of augmented reality, but still, it introduces the concept to, to the mainstream. I personally think that Pokemon Go doesn't have any impact, doesn't contribute to the predictability of uh, VR going forward. I think it's, it's too different from VR. VR is a totally different concept. VR is like full immersion. Augmented reality, it's, it's a different beast, I think. While I was in Singularity University, I tried out the Oculus Rift and I was like, wow, VR is really real. I mean, this really yes. comes come to form. I think the question for me is there's this belief out there lately is that VR is more for the bigger players. For example, Microsoft with HoloLens, Magic Leap, which is actually not just VR, but mixed reality, Facebook with Oculus Rift, and I think Google with its current VR setting. And AR is more for the startup world. So do you think that you're going to jumpstart a lot of AR companies rather than VR companies? Yes, so, so I think that you know AR is definitely AR is definitely more accessible to the mainstream for one very very simple reason. AR can be done already with devices that we have in our pockets. You don't need extra hardware. It, 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 uh, there are no uh, additional uh, costs for you as an end user to be also a, as a producer to be taken into account. Uh, it's easier, quote unquote, to produce AR based games or AR based uh, products than uh, than for virtual reality. The 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 barriers to entry for developers are just much, much, much lower. And also the barriers, uh, you know, for, for the, for the end users, for the demand side to actually, you know, use, use augmented reality applications for games and for maybe for other applications in the future is are also much, much lower. And, you know, there, there's already uh, discussions about, uh, uh, because of Pokemon Go that people were misled by the VR hype and that AR is actually the future of uh, games, for example, when it comes to new platforms or, uh, you know, to new ways of, of, of playing games and not VR. What are the other business models that Pokemon Go can exploit and introduce to the gaming world? I think that there was always this talk recently by a lot of tech pundits out there talking about that Apple is actually making 30% out of in-app purchases from Pokemon Go. Yes, Apple gets its 30% attack in every kind of business arrangement for, for, for apps, for subscriptions, and you know for, for games, for in-app purchases and everything. And of course, they also open their hand for every transaction that is made inside Pokemon Go. But I think that you know Pokemon Go, because of that GPS-based element that they have, they can do sponsored locations. I mean, we talked about McDonald's already. Make no mistake, McDonald's will have to pay considerable you know, money or licensing fees, whatever you may call it, to Niantic to be able to be um, you know highlighted inside that game. If you look at Ingress, the first game from Niantic here in Japan, Ingress has already inked for that first game before the whole Pokemon Go uh, craziness came about. They already had specific you know location-based deals with SoftBank, with Mitsubishi UFJ, which is Japan's biggest bank, and with Lawson, the convenience store operator. So this small startup from the United States already had you know these alternative business models inside their first game. And I think this will be just a much, much more the case for Pokemon Go because it's just a much, much bigger phenomenon. So you have, again, sponsored locations as a new business model that uh, Pokemon Go has. I think that they can also do advertising inside that game if they wanted to. But in my personal opinion, though, I think that what usually works best is the simplest business model. And the simplest business model and the most powerful business model, I think, also for Pokemon Go is just in-app purchases. And this is the reason why the, this game is is the number one grossing game, in, as we mentioned, you know, in the in the markets that it's already out. And this is all just based on in-app purchases, not on alternative business models. 
people are just paying for these Pokeballs, as I mentioned, and people are paying for other items that make uh, playing uh, Pokemon Go easier. I think this is this is probably going to stay the primary way to to make uh, money for this game going forward. So Nintendo has doubled their market cap to US forty two billion since mm-hmm. the launch of Pokemon Go. I think that's based on yesterday's news. So does that give them the impetus to push their mobile gaming efforts quicker and start monetizing on their other gaming yeah. content, for example, Super Mario, Zelda, and a lot of other games like Splatoon, for example? Yes, yes. So they have Nintendo sitting on the, on the most valuable IP in the gaming world. There's no discussion that there's no other company that has a more valuable IP than Nintendo. Nobody who at least understands a little bit about games uh, can actually dispute that. I personally think that Nintendo is very, very likely to be highly impressed with what what happens with Pokemon Go because, you know, um, what people don't really know, the mainstream, you know, normal end users, they don't really know that the uh, Pokemon is, uh, the, that the game is being, being developed and operated by a startup in the U.S., or that the Pokemon company actually exists. I think that a lot of people think that Pokemon is a Nintendo brand. And, you know, to a certain extent, they are true, uh, they are correct with this, uh, with this statement. I personally think that, to answer your question, I personally think that this will not change much for one very, very simple reason, because I think that Nintendo is, is living in their own world. You know, I think that, you know, this company thinks, uh, thinks that they are actually a console make, a game maker. I think that this company thinks that console games are actual games, that mobile games are just uh, snack-sized uh, bits of entertainment. I think that for them at the moment, mobile is, uh, is uh, you know, a business that has become so big that they have to be active inside. But I don't believe that uh, they will, uh, you know, suddenly now say, oh my God, we, we never knew that uh, how big this, uh, this business actually can be. Let's really ch- radically change our ideas. I think it will still... Despite this worldwide phenomenon that Pokemon Go has triggered, I think it will still take time until we see Mario or Zelda or any of the other big IPs on, on mobile. It will come. I personally have no uh, doubts that it will, it, it will come eventually. But I think that, um, that the Pokemon Go effect on Nintendo itself is uh, probably limited. You have been bullish on Nintendo. Are you even more bullish now with the success of Pokemon Go? And what's the summer coming out for Nintendo in the mobile gaming world? I know we talk about the two games that are coming out, but I just yes. want you to reiterate them again. Yes, if Pokemon Go would have flopped, Nintendo wouldn't be completely out of the spotlight at least until March when the next two mobile games are coming out. Again, Pokemon Go is technically speaking, also economically speaking, by the way, it's not really a Nintendo game. Nintendo has a stake in that. You know, they, they've, they had an advisory kind of role in the development of Pokemon Go there, but they are not operating the game. They are not uh, publishing the game. They are not really standing uh, be- standing behind the game. It's actually not all all about Niantic in this case. But I, I think that uh, y- you know I'm not much more I'm not much more bullish than I am on Nintendo because I've been super bullish on this company. Again, in the long run, especially in 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 their mobile business, I'm I'm very skeptical about their console business going forward. But in the on the mobile side, I I, w- I already was super bullish on Nintendo in the long run. I think that uh, Nintendo will be in, a, in, in in several years. Nintendo will be absolutely dominating the, the mobile space just like they've been you know dominating the console space on the software side not on the hardware side but on the software side for the last uh, for the last decades but i think that it's a confirmation if you will but uh, i've been i've been super bullish all along does it mean that they are also incentivized to maybe work with a third party player to basically use their gaming content ip because they're a little bit like disney now where they have a lot of content ip that's sitting in their stick 
Yes, so this is really highly unusual for Nintendo. You know, usually Nintendo, as I mentioned, you know, it's it just they are not the sole proprietor of the of the Pokemon universe. Uh, without Nintendo giving their green light to this Niantic deal, th this game wouldn't have been realized. My point is that you know, uh, two years ago, three years ago, Nintendo probably would have said uh, no to Niantic. Because Nintendo is notorious for protecting their IP. I think that for Niantic, the, the, the big selling point for them was that Ingress was very popular in Japan. And of course, you know, they had a Google background. You know, John Hankey is, is a famous entrepreneur. It was, it was not really a small random startup that approached uh, Nintendo uh, on, the, on the basis of a totally unknown game. Then, you know, Nintendo miraculously said yes. But still, again, I think that uh, two or three years ago, Nintendo would have said no. There might be the possibility that Nintendo is more open to, to deals like this, you know, based on this success. I personally doubt it. I personally doubt that Nintendo will let other other developers use uh, Mario or Zelda. I think that the actual real Nintendo IP, I think that for that N Nintendo will, uh, you know, at the most, uh, uh, you know, cooperate with uh, with DNA, you know, the official partner, but not with anybody else. So, Sakan, it's always great to get you on to talk about the gaming world and because japan is where the leadership of this gaming world actually start from so of course it's always me asking you this question how do my audience find you the simplest way is uh, a twitter so my uh, twitter handle is uh, serkan toto in one word or you know if you're on the business side of things uh, uh on, on the on the professional side of things uh, please also use uh, linkedin uh, contact me or just uh, drop me an email you can find me at blungcwrbernardlung.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E-A-S-I-A. -A you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and Google Play in the US market. And of course, if you are using Overcast and iTunes, please leave us a rate, good rating and of course, recommend us. And we would like to hear your feedback anytime soon. So, Sirkan, once again, thank you so much for coming on so last minute and to talk about this great Pokemon phenomenon. No problem. Thank you.